0: Watch new pussy cat. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Watch whoa. new pussy cat. You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damn. Pussycat, pussycat, I've got
1: flowers and lots of hours to spend with you. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach.
0: I'm Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Toto Annihilation. (laughs) Things are gonna get hairy.
1: Yeah, oh, are they ever? You're listening to another nightmare-induced episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take a look at some of your favorite movies from your childhood. You know those films you're nostalgic for, and we watch them... Uh, objectively, let you know: Are these movies actually good? Should you be nostalgic for them, or are they poop and uh, you're you're dumb for thinking that they're good?
0: Yeah, did they belong in the litter box? Huh? Well, that's
1: the that's the <laughs> last episode of nostalgia. Be damn right there, ever. <laughs> no, 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 that's no. it. We're done.
0: Because this week we we can't go out on this one. Uh, <laughs> no, this week we watched 2001's family action comedy Cats and Dogs. Ooh, did we ever, Brandon? Do you remember when this movie came out? I am ashamed to admit how excited I really was for this movie. I remember seeing I remember seeing the previews for this and laughing at all the dumb jokes in the trailers. I This is this is truly uh, emblematic of what the show represents, what we're all about because this was a movie I loved as a kid. I think I came out it came out when I was like 10 or 11 years old, so I was still kind of right in that wheelhouse of I want to watch cute dumb animals say funny crude stuff and, you know, fart jokes. Fart jokes, dude. Right.
1: Um Yeah, I remember when this came out thinking, and I'm, again, this is the problem with this show is that we have to go back into our childhood and just admit how cool we thought these movies were when they came out. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I remember thinking, that's a cool concept for a movie, Mom. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Exactly, dude. We we all know cats and dogs don't like each other. I want to find out why. And some genius filmmaker is about to tell me. <laughs> the gentleman to uh, to bring this movie to us, fine folks, is a guy named Lawrence Guterman. That's who directed this. This was his feature film debut. He went on to direct the 2005 classic Son of the Mask with Jamie Kennedy. And uh, that's it. <laughs> Nothing else as of recording this. <laughs> Dude, what a legacy to go out on. God you know bless what him. I mean? You got cats and dogs and Son of the Mask. I mean, yeah, what a legacy
1: to go out on or maybe just, you know die (laughs) maybe just die
0: (laughs) no come on Guterman. not not actually not actually killing dude but of course not no we're not advocating that Guterman's he's he's a hall of famer in our book i I, in your book i i I, I, dude this is good we have so much to unpack
1: i you know what i just want (laughs) to i want to read for the audience my immediate response when i started watching this movie i texted brandon i think just it. I started this movie while I'm on the treadmill, uh, and the first shot is a CGI newspaper roll flying at the screen. It's going to be a terrible movie.
0: <laughs> Stay tuned to find out if that uh, if that's true. And then,
1: and then, five minutes later, I think I said uh, my jaw has dropped at least three times. Not an exaggeration. <laughs> Dropping acid would probably help the experience. That's
0: <laughs> those are actual texts.
1: Actual texts that we've had. Uh, And it didn't disappoint, Brandon. I'm so excited to talk about this.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's get into it. So uh, Cats and Dogs, it holds a 5.1 on IMDb and a shockingly high 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, to put that score into context, Zach, I told you the other day what other movies may have lower scores. So Die Hard with a Vengeance, in my opinion, the second best Die Hard movie, has a 52%, all right? Man on Fire, Denzel Washington, 39%. Wet Hot American Summer, one of our favorite comedies of all time. Well, I was going to say one of my favorite movies, yeah. 36%. And even Hook, Hook, Steven Spielberg's Hook, not a great movie, a movie we probably could revisit for this podcast. It's got a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie?
1: 53 <laughs> What the uh, fuck?
0: Ah! Now, you told me you might have some ideas for why that is, and maybe we'll get into it in the opening minutes here of the movie. But I'm curious to hear why you think critics may have been kinder to this than anticipated. I thought this was, like, a huge critical flop. Uh, you know, I think it just kind of effectively gets
1: across that – like, this for kids. You know what I mean? I, I Sure. sure. I, I just, like, I think – I, well, I don't agree with critics. I, I think it does effectively get across the idea that this is a movie for kids and something that, like, you just haven't seen before. It's the classic, you know, cats versus dogs, almost like a Tom and Jerry if, you know, Tom was a fucking... Uh, Tom is a cat, I guess, and Jerry is a mouse. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm losing it, man. Uh, it, this this broke me, but it, it is just like a tale as old as time, just told in a different way... It's kind of a simple concept just on paper. It's like, hey, what if there's like a war between cats and dogs and that's why they don't seem to get along? Uh it it's just unfortunately the execution is just fucking insane. It's crazy. The thing about the talking animals genre, Brandon, is that we've covered it before with movies like uh what what is that fucking movie where the animals Homeward go bound, Yeah, Homeward Bound. Uh And we've tackled this issue before of should the lips move or not? And (laughs) this movie, it's
0: a poster child for maybe why you shouldn't have the lips move in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. In 2001, though... You know, studio executives weren't even thinking about not making these lips move. Like, if you suggested in that boardroom meeting, how about we just, you know, do it Homeward Bound or Milo and Oda style, just narration style. That guy got fired, probably his his tires got slashed. They're like, fuck you, dude. No, we're making these animals talk, and their mouths are going to move something haunting. Do you see all the fucking computers we have now? It's the year 2000, son. Get on board. (laughs) He puts them on the ground. Didn't you see Babe, you son of a bitch? That got nominated for Best Picture. You fucking nerd. Well, this movie, lo and behold, man, it was a financial success. So it cost sixty million dollars to make. It earned ninety-three million in the U.S. and two hundred million worldwide. It placed twenty-fourth for the year of two thousand and one in the states. Uh, in terms of live-action talking animal movies, it's the sixteenth. <laughs> <16th, laughs> it's the sixteenth highest-grossing movie uh, among its peers, earning less than family films like Scooby-Doo, which, by the way, I think is the highest-grossing talking animated or animal movie, which we've covered. Check get out okay, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, soon to be covered. Stuart Little, at some point,
1: (laughs) you've been okay. Hold on, hold Uh, on. No, you can't just drop that. Brandon has been pushing Stuart Little on this podcast since its inception. Since we started, he's like, We should do Stuart Little. We should do Stuart. I have put it off for 71 episodes, Brandon. Get over it, man.
0: We're watching it at some point. Anyway. And Alvin and the Chipmunks 1, 2, and 3, dude. I think that's chipwrecked. G-Force. You remember that one about the guinea pigs? (laughs) The spy spy guinea pigs. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's Peter Rabbit. Uh, hop which was the russell brand easter movie uh, as the bunny and uh, beverly hills chihuahua all made less than those movies however it managed to earn more than classics like the fourth alvin and the chipmunks movie i believe titled the road oh chip <laughs> <laughs> zookeeper with our boy kevin james uh, garfield the movie racing stripes and underdog Remember that one?
1: Uh, yes. I. Yeah. I remember that. I remember Racing Stripes. I remember so many of these movies
0: that I just... Stop doing this, mo- movies. Stop it. <laughs> They're taking up so much valuable space in your brain. Oh. These worthless... Dude, that list, just a horrendous representation of American filmmaking. <laughs> it re- Yeah. Oh, man. Well, this genuinely blew my mind, and I actually had to look it up after because when I saw I was watching this movie at the opening credits, uh, this screenplay is actually written by John Requa and Glenn Ficarra. Now, those two guys' names may sound familiar. They started writing for the Angry Beavers and Wild Thornberry shows uh, on Nickelodeon earlier on in their career. Then they went on to write this movie. Their second movie was Bad Santa. They wrote that movie, the Billy Bob Thornton one, and the Bad News Bears remake. Then they broke into directing, and they wrote and directed... I Love You, Philip Morris, the Jim Carrey, Ewan McGregor one, uh, Focus with Will Smith and Margot Robbie, and Whiskey Tango, Foxtrot, and Crazy Stupid Love, the Steve Carell one. <laughs> they directed that movie. Are, these guys are all over the fucking place, man. <laughs> yeah, they've been, they've become super successful in the years since, and it all stems from this uh, this classic script, dude. <laughs> okay, well. Um... The movie, it released on Independence Day 2001, opened at number one, beating out Scary Movie 2. Whew. Yikes. What a feat. It yeah. did, however, fall to number three the following week when Legally Blonde and The Score hit theaters. So, you know. The fuck is The Score? Do I remember that movie? You should. It's with Edward Norton and Robert De Niro. Pretty solid little heist movie there. Directed by Frank Oz. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I yeah. don't know that one. I don't know if I've ever seen it, but I know it. Yep. You know, this movie actually won a coveted Razzie Award, and I doubt you'll know what it's for. Uh, which actor do you think won a Razzie for this movie? Jeff Goldblum. No, dude. No. It's actually the voice of one Charlton Heston. He won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor for this, a movie called Town and Country, and previous Nostalgia Be Damned episode, Planet of the Apes.
1: (laughs) Well, I remember the Planet of the Apes. I mean, Charlton Heston was very hit and miss
0: in his career, man. But who was he in this movie? He's like the Mastiff, I think he runs the secret organization of the dogs. He's only got like six lines, but can you imagine oh, getting a Raspberry
1: what? Award for your six lines? That was that was one of the worst parts of the movie, and I say that <laughs> and I say that fully knowing what's in this movie.
0: All right, just the last couple bits of uh, information here. Robert Rodriguez actually uh, offered the job, turned down the opportunity to work on the film in order to continue his work on the Spy Kids franchise. So there's that. Ooh. The animation of the animal's mouths was done by a company called Rhythm and Hughes, who had previous experience with the style, providing the animation uh, for the animals in Babe. Somehow in 1995, though, it looked better. (laughs) Yeah, it did. I... I don't know. Is that the difference between
1: 1995? Were they using, like, peanut butter to to get the animals?
0: <laughs> there is some CG in there where they manipulate the mouths, but I don't know. It just, I guess, looks less cartoony. Again, 1995, Babe, nominated for Best Picture. Let's remind everyone. The same year as Apollo 13, I think. <laughs> <It's shared>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Cats and Dogs uh, scored such nominations. Uh, It did get a sequel, though, in 2010, just a (laughs) a mere nine years Mm -hmm. later. Uh, Toby McGuire, who of course may, uh, voices the main character Lou in the film, he did not return for the sequel. He was replaced by Neil Patrick Harris. Luckily, three cast members Michael Clark Duncan, Joe Pantaleano, and Sean Hayes returned for 2010's Cats and Dogs The Revenge of Kitty Galore. I, <sighs> not a financial success, by the way. <laughs> Oh, and uh, lastly, my favorite bit of IMDb trivia here, and I don't know how they got this or what it even means, really. It just reads, Toby Maguire's performance in this film was inspired by Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Oh, we know. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, no, we don't. Wait. <laughs> like... I guess he based his performance off of that? I don't in know. In what why. I mean there's way. certainly some matrix ripoff scenes in this. I guess just like, you know, whoa, experiencing this world he never knew existed underneath the facade, the cool facade of normality. I don't fucking buy that at all. I don't buy that at all.
1: <laughs> it is not inspired by Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. That's a
0: bold faced fucking lie. <laughs> John Wick, however, is inspired by this movie, hence the reason he's so angry someone kills his dog. Is that a true fact? Is that <laughs> <it>? <laughs> Can you imagine that's in the John Wick's IMDB trivia? Listen,
1: oh, I remember God. when John Wick uh man, you're blowing my mind because I remember when John Wick came out and laughing at the premise of the movie, and then I saw the movie and I was like, oh no, wait, this is sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are we gonna have that same reaction to this movie's plot? Let's find out. So we open up on, like you mentioned earlier, this uh, CGI newspaper flying across (laughs) right into your stupid face. This one wasn't in 3D. The filmmakers wised up and definitely made Kitty Galore in 3D. So, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can only imagine the amount of shit that's flying at the screen in that one. But yeah, we get your basic cat v. dog scenario where this dog, this bloodhound, he belongs to the Brody family. I believe his name is Buddy. He's chasing this cat who's just being a dick out in the front yard, right? Playing with his newspaper.
1: Right off the bat, it's like, hey, this guy, like, this kid loses his dog.
0: Yeah, but in the most Looney Tunes... Like, the sound effects, the way this is shot, the way the animals react to such violence, like, it's its really played up like a, it's a live-action cartoon, essentially, is what you're getting. Because mm-hmm. this dog's chasing the cat, the cat runs up the tree, and the dog... Dude, first off, there's, there's a lot of combination of CGI dog, real dog, and puppet dog. My favorite, by far, are the puppet dogs. The puppet dogs and cats, when they're smashing into shit, I laugh out loud almost every time because it's ridiculous looking.
1: It is so bizarre. Bizarre the amount of times that they intermix all of these different ways to get the shots and they, they do it, they try and do it seamlessly. At one point, you'll be looking at a CG dog, and then it'll get picked up, and suddenly Jeff Goldblum's holding a
0: real dog. But they do this whole little chase. The, what cat jumps through the window, a woman, you know, trying to put a pie out on the windowsill, dude. She just, it's a classic Norman Rockwell American family. And she gets knocked over, pie falls down. It's a tale as old as time, dude. You know, cats and dogs will be cats and dogs. This cat runs outside, Lays down in the middle of the road pretending to be dead, so the dog comes over to (laughs) inspect the corpse of this feline. Then a a van, erratically driven in reverse down the road, parks in front of the dog and catnaps him, kidnaps him, whatever you'd like to call it. And that's the crux of the movie. The Brody's bloodhound buddy has been stolen. I need
1: to interject something here, Brandon. I want to ask you a question. Uh, In this polarizing time of social media and uh, political divide in our country, do you really think a movie like this could get made where the filmmakers double down on the idea that cats are just fucking evil? Like, can you imagine the fight that we'd be having on Twitter over cats are evil? That's the thing, man. This is not
0: a a Freddy versus Jason or Alien versus Predator situation where you know the the filmmakers are are bringing these two titans to the screen and allowing you to pick your sides. They're very firmly on the sides of the dogs, and the cats are straight up the villains. I I didn't quite expect that. They uh, they allude at one point. They allude at one point that cats are Nazis. They do <laughs> that. They do. This, I, dude, there are some, like, voices when you hear, sometimes they just, in they inspire laughter, and one of them for me is Alec Baldwin as this dog. He's watching this all go down from a neighbor's, like, window, and when he starts talking as this dog, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the look of the dog mixed with Alec Baldwin's voice, but I do find almost everything this, guy, this dog says to be super funny. He's named Butch, and I guess he's a secret agent spy for the dogs, right? Yeah, he's
1: a. Just- I don't understand like is every dog in the entire world in a no they can't be right because the whole premise of the movie is that the beagle isn't an agent so what is the world building here why is there a secret service for dogs what do dogs do throughout the rest of the day they just exist why do they need a secret service how did they get. Why, like, why are they governing? They have their own television station because they have a reporter who's reporting on things. They have delegates. What secret life? Yeah, his life name's Wolf Blitzer, dogs-
0: by the way. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> But at my point, what secret life are the dogs and cats leading that they feel it's necessary to wage war on each other and have, like, governing bodies for everyone?
0: Well, we do get a brief history of cats and dogs later on in the movie, as told by Butch. But during this opening scene... We're under the impression that when cats and dogs are not viewed by humans, they're able to act their real selves and they talk out loud and all this shit. We've seen this, you know, done many times before in film. But what I'm confused about is why in the beginning of this movie... This dog and this cat aren't talking to each other. They're just behaving like normal dogs and animals. You know what I mean? Like they're just barking. They're meowing and hissing. There is no language until it cuts to the like, the window next door. This dog, Butch, sees it. He runs into his doghouse, presses a fucking men in black button and all this g- gadgetry command center comes out and he's like, oh, we got a problem. And then holy shit, so many illusions are shattered in the opening <laughs> five minutes of Cats and Dogs. If you had no idea what this
1: movie was about coming, in, if you've never seen a trailer, no one told you what the premise is, and you sit down in the first five minutes, you're like, oh, you know, it's a goofy little, you know. Dogs chase cats, and cats chase dogs. And then fucking Alec Baldwin opens up a spy center, and you're like, what the... Like I said, acid would help the experience of this (laughs) movie. Yeah,
0: we get a little bit of inside this dog government facility, led by Mastiff, who is voiced by Charlton Heston, and it's, yeah, it's basically just the CIA with dogs. They're all sitting at, like, government seats and operating computers. It's so fucking stupid. It's MI6. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well... During this little title sequence, we were shown like dogs passing dog bones to each other that's filled with classified CIA information. Oh my god, dude. This is what's happening right underneath your eyes. Do you think after watching this movie, all these kids were like, you know, enjoying the film, thinking it's funny, and then were shouting at their dogs to like drop the act? (laughs) <laughs> Max, I want you to talk to me. Stop fucking around. Like, be kidding. This? Definitely gave my dog
1: a suspicious look. A- even after this watch the other day, I gave my dog a look. I was like, I you're- I know you're up to something. <laughs> it might not be this. It probably isn't this, but you're up to
0: something. <laughs> Cut to a uh, barn full of beagles we are introduced to our lead character, this idiot dog named Lou. He's voiced by Toby Maguire, and he's hatching a plan to escape the barn. He's pretty hated by his siblings. All of them think he's a real fucking loser. In fact, quite a bit of people in this movie thinks he's a loser. That's how he'll get his name, because right now he's just unnamed Beagle number six. <laughs> Whatever.
1: I also, uh, just one more text that I sent Brandon uh, ten minutes into this movie. Oh, fuck, Toby Maguire. Oh, fuck, I forgot. Spiderman himself Spiderman himself uh yeah but this beagle I he's like supposedly only he's a puppy so he's gotta be I mean if we're looking in this in a realistic scope which why would we ever um but the the puppy's only like nine months old maybe maybe probably a lot younger um but he has all these illusions of grandeur like I'm gonna go see the world like how do you know you want to go see the world you're fucking barely old enough to walk
0: (laughs) well he knows how to set up this you know like pitchfork uh slingshot type deal where he tries to launch himself out the window again cgi shot of dog flying toward camera cut to a wide shot of Puppet dog smashing into the side of a barn. Pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But underneath the floorboard, some goddamn buzzsaws come, <laughs> come through, cut a hole, and this Doberman pincher, like uh recruiter drill sergeant, comes out who orders all of the beagles down the hole. Lou, meanwhile, stuck underneath the bucket so he can't get out, and then he replaces all of them with Doberman puppies. Meanwhile, Mrs. Carolyn Brody, played by Elizabeth Perkins, the mother in the film, she comes to this barn to buy or adopt whatever uh, one of the beagle puppies. The only one there who is a beagle, Lou. So she decides to bring his ass home to her snot-nosed son, Scotty, who is finally, Zach, I'd say it's been a good couple of months, honestly, since we've had a great candidate for the terrible lead protagonist bracket uh, championship that we're doing, Scotty fits that bill wholeheartedly. Dude, uh, this fucking kid, man. I'm telling you right now, as a grown
1: 27-year-old gentleman, if my mom came home with a puppy, I'd
0: lose my fucking shit. I'd be so excited. Fuck this kid. Yeah, and they go out of their way to make Lou, you know, such a cute goddamn puppy, and he is. Beagles are super cute, Uh, except for when they add more human characteristics to his eyes, like the CGI, his eyes bulge out and he gets fucking super creepy. I will say this movie right here should be shown to everyone who watched, like, The Lion King, that remake, and said, you know what, I really wanted them to emote more, I wanted their eyes to look more human. This is what it could have looked like, (laughs) I'm so glad they didn't go that direction, because this fucking is so creepy, their elastic faces and shit, it just does not look good it's bad man it's
1: it's so bad there's a lot of choices made in this movie that if they had just doubled down
0: on this movie is i don't know if it ever makes it to screen <laughs> well scotty he's played by alexander pollock and he doesn't want a new dog he wants his old dog buddy he affectionately calls the dog a loser and when he does his mom's like whoa what the fuck scotty and he's like he rolls his eye and he's like mom it's a dog <laughs> which you know what I, I side with Scotty on that one. It is a dog.
1: I call my dog a loser all the time. They don't care. Whoa, man. They don't yeah, care. Know,
0: it's, it's a do- Well, it's true. He doesn't understand, but I guess this dog can because that's how he gets his name. She's like, oh, he's not a loser. We'll call him Lou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Then we're introduced to the dad, you know. One of our favorites, returning guest, uh, Jeff Goldblum, he's a scientist, you know, I think his name's Charles Brody, and he has this fucking cryogenic chamber, essentially, in his house. He's got a whole science lab down there, and he's working on this allergy uh, formula to basically make it impossible for humans to be allergic to dogs. And if you're wondering,
1: it's the age-old question, Brandon. Can Jeff Goldblum play a mad scientist by being Jeff Goldblum and nothing else? And I'm going to say the answer is a resounding no. No, he cannot. <laughs> he is. He just couldn't give more of
0: a fuck about this movie. <laughs> He's introduced like with all these fucking stupid science wires all over him. He comes out and he grabs the dog and he inhales the dog in such a way I I don't want people to... <laughs> to I don't want to see. He like, presses the dog's skin against his face and tapes so many deep breaths just smelling this dog in because we find out that Jeff Goldblum himself is allergic and he wants a dog around to just basically test his... see how his, his formula is coming along, but this one, you know, the the strain he's working on now, unsuccessful, still allergic to dogs, back to work he goes. It's a classic scenario, late 90s, early 2000s dad, he's just working too much, he can't spend time with Scotty, who's a terrible soccer player. Yeah, and and let's make one thing clear, Scotty,
1: you know, you don't want to spend time with this kid anyway, but... Uh, he, he doesn't even, he, normally I'm on the side of the dads on this one. I'm like, look, he's working to try and provide for his family, but he like, doesn't even acknowledge the kid. He's like, uh, uh, yeah. And then he just turns around and goes back in.
0: Yeah. He forgets everything involving this kid. He would forget to feed this kid. If the mother went away, that kid's dead for sure. But still, oh yeah, know, Scotty's, Scotty's a chode. I wouldn't want this kid as my kid, you know? No, like, let's let fuck Scotty you know fuck scotty (laughs) so he goes to set the dog outside calls him a loser once again and then lou in his dog voice calls him a cat person they're very flippant about how close humans can hear the dogs actually talking english dude (laughs) i uh,
1: i wasn't gonna bring this up until later but i have to bring it up now it is not addressed in this movie if the humans can hear the dogs or if the dogs the dogs can understand the humans, but it's it's unclear if the humans can understand the dogs. And they take no steps to address whether or not, like, they're supposed to be hiding it from the humans. And then just, like, in the last ten minutes of the movie,
0: they're like, oh, yeah, they can hear each other. It's like it's just, like, thrown in. <laughs>
1: it's like, They don't like, address yeah, it
0: at all. It's like Stewie in Family Guy. I can't tell if they can tell he's talking Yeah, but or not. even...
1: Even they break the fourth wall, where they're like, uh, "I don't know who can
0: understand who," but they in this movie they just like go about their business. Well, they're, yeah, because t- typically in these movies, you know, it, the, the dogs will be talking English, and then it'll cut to the human perspective, and you just hear dog barks or something like that. They don't yeah. do that in this movie. <laughs> but
1: even in Toy Story, they were like, you know, a human's coming, hide. In this, they just. In this, they're just uh, oh, keep doing dog things, but they don't address whether or not they
0: can understand them or anything, and then they just talk to each other by the end of the movie. Oh boy! Well, Lou out is outside, and we finally get a, a bigger taste of how dumb this dog is because he again he's now i uh, been adopted by a new family. He's like oh, now I just got to go back to the barn and find myself a bigger pitchfork. Hey, dog! You're already out. You fucking <laughs> you don't made need to it, go back dog. to escape you dumb dog. Dumb fucking dog. Well, while he's chilling in the yard, a bone comes floating in, is parachuted in, sets down on the, lo- the lawn, and he goes over to grab it, and then this other dog, Butch, Alec Baldwin, comes out, he's like, that wouldn't be a good idea, throws something on the bone, and it explodes, apparently, that was a fucking test, the cats are trying to kill this dog. You heard that correctly, they are trying to
1: kill this dog, they try and cover up when they, when they kidnap the dog in the beginning of the movie, they... Charlton Heston has a terrible line. You probably missed it because he's terrible in this movie, but he says he's fine. He's just being held hostage. But let's let's be honest. You never see that dog again. They don't address (laughs) it at the end of the movie that he set free. They killed that dog.
0: Oh, that dog's dead for sure. They
1: tortured the shit out of the dog, probably waterboarded him and then killed him. (laughs) Like they are out to kill each other in this movie and. The people who made it were just like, yeah, this is good for kids. Go for it's it. It's
0: funny. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. Lou is mistaken for a secret agent because he believes he's, you know, sent from the academy. Butch does anyway. So sent to replace Buddy. Because another thing I'm curious about is how long the cats have been staking out this this Jeff Goldblum character. It seems like he's the sole, the crux of their plan. Like, if he didn't exist, what would the cats be doing to further their cat agenda? I don't know. All I can think is that
1: maybe it's one of those James Bond things where they just start the movie and then they're like, Hey, it turns out they've been following this guy. Or maybe they just got the information that Jeff Goldblum was doing about it. They didn't know until just now. So, I I don't know. We're not privy to that information. This movie, mercifully, is only an hour and a half long. So, it just kind of like speeds along in the plot and expects you to keep up.
0: Yeah, it does move along. That's a good thing. Because now we get this little meet the team uh, segment here, which honestly, I got to admit, I laughed a couple of times. Because it's basically <laughs> introducing... Uh, allude to a couple new characters we've got peak played by joe pantaliano who's this gross little dog who's got like a command center underneath a trash can that comes up underneath the ground and then there's sam by michael clark duncan who's this dog with a, like, a shaggy dog you can never see anything and he's always trying to sneak around <laughs> dude i don't know some of these like images of the dogs doing dumb stuff it's just cute dogs doing dumb stuff i kind of laughed
1: i was gonna say it's you know it's the dogs being funny and cute and they're dogs and that's perfectly okay It's when they start doing CGI stuff, because the dogs are not capable of doing it, where it becomes less cute because it's just not real.
0: Yeah, it's a monstrosity. Speaking of monstrosity, Lou still has his balls. (laughs) Butch is not proud or happy about that. That gives him the signal like, oh shit, he can't be a secret agent and he's still got his nugs. Yeah, we, we gotta chop those up. Then we meet... You know, our film's villain, who I would say is a breath of fresh air. The voice casting and the the performance behind this cat is pretty inspired. It's played by Sean Hayes. The character's name is Mr. Tinkles, and I would say 95% of this cat is CGI, and it is terrifying. I am so unsettled by the look of this cat when he's moving around and doing his thing, but I will say I really like... The performance sean hayes is giving as well as his sidekick lackey john lovett's cat <laughs> yeah john i mean
1: john lovett's cat is amazing and you're right so is sean hayes and and that's the thing that we kind of were talking about earlier too is the puppet and the cgi of this villain cat is so it's stomach churning sometimes <laughs> But the real cat is just like a funny fat cat. It's really like it's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love the real cat. <laughs> it's so infrequent that they showed they're just a real cat sitting there. But it, yeah, they must have gotten this from what James Bond, right? It's like Blofeld's white cat. Essentially, they just decided to make him yeah. a villain. And yeah, it's it's kind of clever. It's fun that he's this. Maniacal decadent cat that lives in this sprawling manor Apparently his owner is either, either in a coma or on his deathbed So he's basically cared for by the mansion's maid Who dresses him up and, and, and you know, treats him like her doll And so he's got a, you know, an inferiority complex And, and takes it out on all of his, his cat brethren Because he's got a whole army of cats that are hiding throughout this mansion They keep coming in and out Right uh, For him to deliver speeches to But yeah, we just basically get kind of his plot to Destroy the Brody family, and he wants to destroy the serum, and I guess re-engineer the formula to make it so that every human is allergic to dogs. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, but he doesn't say that until like the very like towards the end of the movie when they when when we start seeing the Nazi stuff. <laughs> Oh, man. So,
0: we then get a little bit of the history of the war, you know, waged between the titular cats and dogs. You see, Zach, dog has always been man's best friend, but cats, that's a different story. Because it turns out, in ancient Egypt, all the hieroglyphics that we've seen and all the art and everything, it it may look like the Egyptians were worshiping cats, when in fact, they were ruled by cats. And we get a few slavery jokes in here. I, oh, do I find we this ever. a bit distasteful. This oh, whole... you find this part
1: distasteful, do you?
0: <laughs> this whole sequence of yeah, them basically taking credit for Egyptian slavery and how the pyramids were built and all this insane yeah. shit.
1: Like what? I said, they double down on cats suck in this movie. An opinion that I was perfectly okay with back when this movie came out. Uh polarizing <laughs> now if you make it if you make this movie.
0: Oh my gosh and that's sadly not the first imagery they evoke regarding cats v evil dictators like they go they go hardcore on this we get a little bit more of, you know, Jeff Goldblum trying to make this solution work. His kid is got a soccer tournament coming up that he really wants his dad to to, to be present for. And then we get a little bit more of, I, I like the John Lovitz cat, they send out, him and, and Mr. Tinkles have this whole conversation about how they're going to send in the ninjas to kill Lou. Cut to some troubling stereotypical Asian sounding music mm. coupled blah, with blah, 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 blah. what I believe to be like World War II era planes that are like like kamikaze planes man. yeah it's shot like fucking pearl harbor what is happening this movie goes full-blown fuck it we're racist it it just it's bad oh my god yeah so the cats are there they come to steal the solution and they're leaping out of these planes and of course they're siamese cats
1: (laughs) yeah what oh i'm sorry brandon we're gonna get japanese (laughs) bombers and Asian music, and they're not going to be Siamese cats? What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh,
0: God. I was praying they were calicos, but no, they did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Filmmakers did not have the discretion. But they wind up beating the shit out of Lou, and, you know, this is this is awful. One of my least favorite scenes in this movie, because this is where they go all in on this uh, CGI cat Matrix bullshit. You know, the 2001, we're just two years from the Matrix, so every movie, including Warner Brothers Studios who produced this, you know, they're cribbing the shit out of that.
1: Oh, yeah, we get the classic go up for a roundhouse kick and then the camera freezes and pans around it's fucking
0: terrible and just to kind of soften the blow of these cats punching and mercilessly kicking this dog there's some funny looney tunes bell sound effects and you know it's crazy it's silly it's not as violent as it it actually is <laughs> yeah no it, it it's not it's they try and soften
1: the real actual violence every once in a while. They're fine with them implying that we're going to IED fucking dogs, but <laughs> but when it comes to actually punching, it's just that's all you're going to get. CGI cartoons of like them getting hit with a pan or yeah. something like
0: that. Lou is eventually kicked into the trash can, which wakes up the brodies. They come down to find the kitchen destroyed and blame it on the dogs, so they put him outside where he then meets A new character, Ivy, played by Susan Sarandon. She's a stray who I guess has some history with uh, Butch, Alec Baldwin's character. And I I have a question here and I do not want to come off as crude or insensitive. Did
1: Susan Sarandon's (laughs) character jerk off the dog? Yes, (laughs) yes, 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 and yes.
0: So at first, I thought it was—I thought it was just like a cute, funny bit. Um, and again, it plays a little racy, but I wasn't going there because again, he is basically a child dog in this spy organization. But he tells her, "Yeah, I'm a secret agent, all this stuff." She's like, "Oh, aren't you a little young?" She tells him that you know she did know Butch and whatnot, and then she starts to rub him all over because she's basically like, "Don't, don't forget, you know that you're a dog. You should have fun. Man is fun to be around and whatnot." So she starts rubbing him. <laughs> Rubbing his back, then rubbing his belly, and as she's going over his belly, it just—it's just, it's just a shot on the dog's eyes as they're looking at each other, and you can hear in the background Toby McGuire like "Oh, oh, oh, oh. Brandon, oh, thank you, because
1: it, it absolutely happens. Uh, Toby Maguire character gets uh, jerked off." Uh, because he was tense, and she's like, you need to relax, guy, and then she jerks him off, and suddenly he starts having
0: a good time. See, again, and I wouldn't I wouldn't immediately go to the jerk-off thing. No, but it, I did, I, mean, I, I did. Him. I immediately <laughs> went to it. <laughs> but it's confirmed, it's absolutely confirmed, and I think either this scene or a later scene, we'll just jump to it now, when she's talking to Butch, she reconnects with Butch there for a second, and she he says, what, did you, did you rub him? And he's all pissed that she rubbed him, and then she's like, oh, you don't remember the time I rubbed you that night in the park or whatever? and going on and on (laughs) like it was definitely a sexual encounter that she's talking about
1: oh yeah they uh, i mean look alec baldwin susan sarandon's dogs used to fuck and now she's interested in fucking toby mcguire (laughs) and he's pissed and he's pissed and i understand because that's toby
0: mcguire you're alec baldwin she's susan sarandon uh, as dogs (laughs) i wish more than nothing else that there was some sort of footage of toby mcguire in this (laughs) this booth you know giving those going to (sighs)
1: Oh, this yes. feels so good. Oh, man. <laughs> good Lord. No. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, So what is it? The next day, Scotty uh, Tell is super bummed because his dad didn't go to the soccer tryout like he was supposed to. Not that the kid was good. He sucked so bad. I guess the coach, the coach told him, him the tryout for the girls <laughs> team. <laughs> the tri- <laughs> Tryouts for the girls team are on Monday. Oh, Which, you boy. know what?
1: Fuck but- Scotty. He gets what's coming to him. He's the worst. Well,
0: he does, and Goldblum—he was having a breakthrough, all right. Sorry, he couldn't watch you suck at your soccer tryout. Jeez. Yeah,
1: I. You know, like I said earlier, usually I side with the hardworking dad because they're doing what they do for a reason, but uh, Goldblum also kind of sucks at his job, so it's 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 a toss up here. I guess.
0: Yeah, but you know. It's fucking Goldblum, dude. Life finds a way. (laughs) (sighs) But Butch does tell Ivy to stay away from Lou. If you're going to rub any belly, it's going to be mine, not that little prick's. So the cats, now they've got to up their game, and they plan on sending in the Russian. (sighs) So Carolyn... The mom, She almost hits a cat the next day. I gotta say, it's pretty hilarious when this thing starts talking because it, it is an admittedly super cute, like, gray kitten. Very cute cat. <laughs> Very cute cat. She brings him home and introduces him to Lou. Basically, like, the cat's, like, rubbing up against him. She's like, oh, I'll be back in a bit or whatever. She leaves, and as soon as the, cat, the she's gone, the cat starts talking in Russian, like, oh, baby boy, <laughs> you've done fucked up now. I I'm gotta, going I, to I,
1: fucking <laughs> kill you, you stupid dog.
0: <laughs> I gotta admit, I did laugh a few times.
1: I thought it was kind of funny that when they're going through everything that the cat was storing in its stomach, and it was like (laughs) it was like a shit ton (laughs) of like bombs. (laughs) He's
0: kind of keeps puking shit up. Yeah, Yeah, he he keeps keeps puking puking up up bombs. bombs. That's kind of funny. (laughs) Exactly, because he plans to blow up the door off of the laboratory. So he said, I guess he must have puked up all of the supplies. (laughs) Yeah, which includes. (laughs) All these wires and detonators and all this shit. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, that in itself is funny. The cat eventually is bested because there's this whole fight scene between him and Butch and Lou. They yeah, destroy the living room in the process. Essentially, they they win, though, and there's this whole little scene where they're like, yeah, we pump the cat's stomach. <laughs> there's, like, a whole fucking table full of the shit they pulled out of this cat. Again, kind of funny. And when this cat is, like, tied to the chair, screaming and stuff, like, you'll never break me. <laughs> they definitely waterboarded that cat, right? Oh, they
1: waterboarded and killed that cat.
0: <laughs> like, it's... Oh, but Lou... He's kind of happy now because he's actually starting to play with Scotty. Him and Scotty are forming a friendship. They're playing with a soccer ball. They run inside and Scotty, like an idiot, brings the ball inside. It falls down into his dad's secret laboratory and destroys all of the work. It shatters all the vials and sends all the formulas crashing to the floor. And he's a real asshole. And he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, dad. I didn't know. It. The door was open. It's kind of your fault. <laughs> so Jeff Goldblum's like kind of pissed, but in, in typical Jeff Goldblum move, doesn't emote at all. He's just like, please leave. <laughs> I would like to have Jeff Goldblum as a dad because it seems like this kid could get away with anything, and all he's really doing is, you know, slight disappointment.
1: Yeah, later when they're talking about it, he's, Dad, I'm sorry I fucked up everything. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, what? That's okay, I guess. <laughs>
0: Well, it's definitely okay in this scenario because somehow, with the formulas splashing into each other and mixing and matching, he does it. He successfully creates the strain that is what he was looking for, shoots it into his arm, breathes the dog in right on the ass, and uh, he's good. He's cured. He's no longer allergic to dogs. His formula is a success. It, You know, in reality, this would be a massive breakthrough. How does he recreate that? I guess... I guess he's got the chemical compounds or whatever, but it was a fucking happy accident. Yeah, I guess he could just
1: reverse engineer it, but it is, it is. I don't know, man.
0: Well, the cats, I guess, are also planning to re-engineer this shit to, yeah, like we said earlier, make it so that all humans are allergic to dogs, so the cats can no longer wait once they get word that the formula works, So Mr. Tinkles decides, uh, you know, to basically shatter the concept of reality for this maid by talking out loud. This is the first instance in which, you know, cats communicate directly to humans and it understandably freaks her the fuck out. She passes out.
1: And again... First time this is even addressed in this movie,
0: and there's probably 20 minutes left. So then they basically weekend at Bernie's this Mr. Mason's corpse. The guy who owns Mr. Tinkles is this, you know, wealthy uh, factory owner who, again, is either in a coma or maybe dead at this point. I don't know. But the cats dress his body up, put a scarf over his neck and stuff so that you can never see his mouth, throw some shades on him. And, yeah, put him in a wheelchair, a motorized wheelchair, and bring him to his factory, even driving the car and everything there good lord it's and
1: and he's actually saying like a couple of funny things as he's just addressing everybody he's passing
0: <laughs> yeah it's a real like uh christmas vacation where chevy chase as those guys are walking into the elevator and he's like <laughs> like merry christmas go fuck yourself all that stuff as each person yeah. that walks by it's pretty good exactly i do also really enjoy the speech he gives <laughs> at the factory as mr mason firing all the workers he basically says like you know it's all your fault He tells him to blame yourselves, unless you have a dog. In fact, when you get home, kick him. Kick him. (laughs) But at this point, they clear the factory out, and now the cats are in control of the place. So I think, is this where they send, what's his fuck, some fake tickets to a game, right? They're trying to trick the Brody family? They send him tickets to an exhibition soccer
1: match. Uh, between Uruguay and Chad, which fuck off, filmmakers, with your <laughs> Chad national f- soccer team f- bullshit. Get away from me. Um, but anyway, yeah, they and so they end up kidnapping them when they go to the stadium and there's no one there. It's crazy. You'd think. You would hear that two international squads would be coming to your random suburb in America, you fucking idiots. These people deserve to be uh, captured
0: and killed, which they are. The local fucking soccer field or whatever, completely empty. Jeff Goldblum again, uh, supposed to be an intellectual scientist, is just cool with all this. Like, oh, I guess we'll be- we'll beat the lines for chili dogs. Chili dogs. Chili dogs. Ew, <laughs> the chili dog chant. Uh, the cats fucking ugh. knock them out. Yeah, bring them to the factory. Tie them up in chairs. It's a real ransom scene. Like they've got them blindfolded and everything. Like, oh, it's getting dark, man. Luckily, the dogs though they can now press that little red button. We love this joke too, man. Ever since Men in Black, every push movie the that red had a little, button, yep, you don't push it at the beginning. They got to set it up for that to pay off right near the climax.
1: And let me tell you something, Brandon. It is just as unfunny as when Men in Black.
0: Did. Whoa, Men in Black. It's at least kind of funny, and it, one, it looks good. This is horrendous. The bottom of the doghouse like <laughs> breaks out, explodes. And they fall into the- <laughs> they fall down into this fucking like tunnel which is i got like a subway for dogs essentially it's like a rocket ship shooting them through this tunnel it looks awful it's so dumb
1: i just want i just want to know like what is this set up for why do they have this what do dogs do do they have a currency do they go to work
0: (laughs) what's going on I don't know, man. I know I don't. I want to know the inner workings of this dog world and why. I mean, Butch he had a backstory where what his dog was—he was uh, was given up to an old woman who couldn't even throw a ball by his college-aged former owner, and so he has a distrust of humans. But then again, I guess I just still quite can't quite understand why these dogs are. Their entire society is built to serve mankind, I guess. So why like, are they so
1: know. much better than mankind?
0: Like, I just, I'm so confused. Yeah, we don't have these tunnels under the ground. Like, are they, are they slowly usurping us to become the top of the food chain? I would think so. Like, kill humans, just kill them. <sighs> like, j- they might as well take control. Maybe that's, maybe that's what Kitty Galore is about, man. We'll have to check that out. No. Not... No. (laughs) I hate this entire scene. This is by far my least favorite part of this whole movie. When they go to the fucking CIA headquarters or whatever, the dog council is meeting. It's essentially... Yeah, what the... The-, the United Nations. Thank you. It's exactly like the United Nations. All these That's dogs. All right. You are- can't. You you can't read. I get it. <laughs> all the dogs are in chairs and shit, throwing frisbees and stuff. And in order to make them all like pay attention, they open a can of dog food at the front of the room. Why is there a dog United Nations? Was there a dog World War Two? What's happening? I don't know, man. But the German Shepherd dog does speak German. <laughs> Oh, uh, God, does he ever. <laughs> well, the dogs take a vote, and I love this because then it cuts to the news report, as we said earlier, reported by Wolf Blitzer that the dogs voted to sacrifice the Brody family in order to secure the allergy uh, formula. What kind of television is on dog TV when it's not the news? <laughs> do they have dog Seinfeld remake? They do. They must. Like, who's watching? Who? Where do you watch this dog TV? Like, ah. Uh maybe when our when we leave our houses you know the dogs then turn on their it's a special you know channel or something that they can watch their own dog news what's that movie secret life of pets about maybe that's what maybe we need to watch that i'm gonna go beat up my dog i just have a feeling i have a feeling that yeah kids definitely were just screaming shouting in their dog's faces after this movie ended like tell the jig is up All right? Tell me what's going on. (laughs) Fuck this movie. I also wonder if, like, if there was a spike in cat murders following this movie. Like, all these kids thinking their cats are evil. I gotta kill this so that my dog can save the world. Well, I don't know if we needed this movie to tell us that our cats are trying to kill us. (laughs) True, I guess. (laughs) Oh, where are we? So yeah, Lou pleads with the the council there to save his family. I love humans now, and he's my family. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. He behind Butch's back steals the research and the formula and brings it to the dock. Stupid, because he's beaten up by the cats, presumably, and left for dead, tangled in some fishing nets, and uh, the Brody family blindfolded, tied up. The cats reveal their plan to re-engineer the formula, and they make Scotty uh, allergic to dogs right away. Like he shoot, blows some of this powder in his face because I guess he, they plant this factory. By the way, is a fake snow factory? I think I don't know, but they plan to they plan to. No, use it's a the it's a Christmas snow.
1: it's a Christmas tree factory, and they okay. blow fake snow onto the Christmas trees.
0: And they plan to use this uh, fake snow as a transport device, kind of? With with the help of mice, we're getting into the Nazi stuff now. (laughs) So, he blows the stuff in Scotty's face, puts a dog in, and oh no, Scotty is now allergic to dogs. Do they fix this, by the way? No, it never comes back into
1: play. I was just about to bring this up because at one point he, uh, spoiler alert, this movie ends on a happy note. Uh, (laughs) No, he goes to like hug Lou and he doesn't sneeze or anything like that. He's around a ton of dogs. He's not sneezing. So it's just not even addressed.
0: It's, It's a literal pointless point in the movie. <laughs> Mr. Tinkles then at this point, he's <laughs> he grabs what he thinks is a gun he pulls a gun on the family and then it turns out to be a fake toy gun that, you know, John Lovett's cat fucked up getting. But <laughs> in the reality of this movie, Mr. Tinkles just planned to pull a gun on this family and kill them. Yep. 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 We yep, cut yep. to Mr. Tinkles now in front of a full red backdrop here. Where now it's it's like gung-ho and it's Nazi imagery. He's delivering this speech to a uh, factory floor of cats and mice because they intend to coat the mice in this allergen and then send them out throughout the world to make everyone allergic to dogs. Yeah, it's oh it, it's God. bad imagery, man. Pretty Hitler, dude. It's not
1: something I would have been like, hey, let's let's go ahead and pull the trigger on this one. It's
0: Because, again, if I'm watching this with my kids, I would have been like, whoa, movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you don't need this. You don't yeah, need this. Now I, <laughs> I don't, this is a whole conversation I got to have on
1: the ride home. Just because the Lion King did it doesn't mean everybody else has got to.
0: You're not the Lion King cats and dogs. You're not the Lion
1: King cats and dogs.
0: I did laugh when uh, the cats tell the mice what they're getting in return for doing all of this. They get 16 pounds of Monterey Jack cheese and the continent of Australia. Yep. Okay, cool. 16 pounds Uh. of cheese. That's not enough
1: for every mouse in the world.
0: No. no. They're getting shafted. how are you even getting to Australia? Uh, Whatever. Uh, The dogs, they then try to rescue the Brody family as the factory starts catching fire. You know, this puppet cat starts operating a crane lifting up dogs here and there. And, you know, the Brody's eventually escape just as it's starting to explode. But Lou, he's hurt. He can't get out and he is inside the building when it explodes. Luckily, Butch Carrying Lou out on the on a Christmas wreath. It's a Christmas wreath. Oh, okay, that's right. Yes, beautiful, beautiful imagery as the fake snow is falling down. Very emotional. Scotty comes over, picks up this limp corpse, holds his dead dog one last time, and he says, "You're not a loser, Lou. You're my best friend." And then
1: Toby McGuire <laughs> licks up <laughs> as a dog, and goes, "You're my best friend too."
0: his eyes widen a little bit and Scotty for a second thinks like am i fucking crazy did i just hear that and then there's an acknowledgement between two best friends that yes his dog just spoke human english why did we Scotty understood why did we need to
1: have this why did we like listen if you're going to kill a dog off kill a dog off that's fine but why did we have to go through this whole nonsense like, oh, my God, I can't believe Lou's dead? Who the fuck were you fooling? No all the one. kids in the audience, dude. Yeah,
0: they're all no, heartbroken. Not Peter's a single kid. down not their cheeks.
1: Sh- not a single kid thought Lou was fucking dead in this movie. Even the dumbest of dumb kids. And kids get pretty dumb, Brandon. I don't know if you know this. Kids are, kids are idiots. Kids are
0: idiots. It's
1: very easy to fool. But even in this movie, they're like, that dog's not fucking dead. Get out of here. <laughs> You don't have the balls to kill the first dog. You definitely don't have the balls to kill this one.
0: Well, Lou lives his happily ever after. He goes to stay with the Brody family. He's going to live his life as a regular old dog. But Butch, he's going to stay in the agent game. We end on a uh, cat costume photo shoot where Mr. Tinkles is sent to live with the maid and her sisters who also are maids. (laughs) just a house full of maid siblings. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Then we get a little What's New Pussycat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Takes us out on the end credits of Cats and Dogs. Oh, oh man. What a
1: movie. <sighs> yeah, it, that's one way to put it. What a movie.
0: <laughs> oh, What'd you think, dude? All
1: right, man. I, t- I told you the other day, and you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, that I had, um, you know, a, a theory behind why this movie was rated as high as it is when other movies, like, some ones that we really love maybe get rated a little bit lower and as crazy as this movie is and let's get something straight this movie is fucking bizarre there are so many weird shitty things going on in this movie but as far as a kids movie goes you know it's fine for kids Uh, if you're an adult who's consuming this with your children you're probably looking for a little bit more nuance and the fact of the matter is that If you look past all the bizarre shit and you sort of buy into it, you're like, okay, this movie is strange. It's got strange shit going on. The plot is bizarre. I'm just going to watch it. It's not a half bad movie. If you just buy into everything that's going on, it's really quick. It's simple. It's relatively unoffensive except for dogs jerking each other off and Nazi propaganda and racism other than all of that shit. (laughs) It's not the worst kids movie I've ever seen. Um, I would argue that there's maybe some stuff in there that I, I wouldn't put in there for kids. And it certainly hasn't aged well with the times, but overall I've seen worse and I would, recommend that you show it to your kids uh maybe just you know try to explain to them a couple of things that aren't right or show them at an age where they're not going to understand the nazi propaganda um <laughs> i mean what was what was the rating on this fucking movie again a a, fucking
0: 53 percent 53 it's not a
1: 53 it's definitely not a 53 it's not that good but not terrible overall i'm gonna go ahead and give it a solid 35 percent um show it to your kids if you're nostalgic about it it's a hard pass don't don't watch it for yourself but if you got kids or you got you know younger younger siblings or cousins you're trying to entertain go for it (laughs)
0: dude i i I almost want to i think i'm uh, to spoil it i think i'm gonna give it about the exact same grade maybe a 30 35 but i think i'll go the exact opposite of how (laughs) you feel like i would not show this to my kids i would not want to sit through this movie again with children to try to explain half of the weird bizarre bullshit that goes down in this movie it is so over the top ridiculous and and (laughs) like <laughs> there's only like six farts in it, dude. I, I honestly <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There's only like six farts in it. <laughs> but I want to be I want to make this clear
1: though. I would not sit down with the kid and watch this. I'd put it sure. on to shut him up for an hour and a
0: half. <laughs> sure. But that's the thing is I honestly do think it's kind of a, a goddamn super fun movie to have a drink to or something or watch with your buddies or something cuz it, it there is so minute by minute there's something that is just out of this world bizarre and dumb about it. I think it is kind of one of those movies that if you're looking for a movie to make yourself feel shitty and stupid about how you were as a kid, watch this one, man. Because there's this, there's so much about it that is it's, – it's entertaining. It's never boring. But it is – baffling in in every every aspect of its production from the bizarre gross cgi eyes and mouths to the weird gumby bodies of the animals when they do go full computer animation you know to again yeah nazi propaganda and the weird (laughs) siamese cat racism bullshit i don't know man i think this is definitely one that if if you are kind of nostalgic for it you haven't seen it in a while. I think it could be a worthwhile watch with your with your friends as just kind of a bad movie night because it it's it's entertaining it's fun. Um, I wouldn't show it to I guess again if you want to just shut kids up. There are much worse films to throw on, uh, but for the early 2000s, this is right in line I think with like Scooby Doo. Honestly, it, it's about the exact same feeling I have. Towards Scooby-Doo So if I'm getting this right, Brandon
1: You're giving this the official Nostalgia-be-damned Hate-watch seal of approval Something Uh, that you and I Something that you and I used to do quite often uh, Get drunk and hate-watch movies Like uh, Boss Baby Yes,
0: this is right in line Honestly, this reminded me of Boss Baby Because of that whole scene at the end there Yeah Right, where they're like trying It is very
1: Boss Baby-ish Not to mention Boss Baby also has Tobey Maguire And Alec Baldwin
0: (laughs) shit yeah it's basically just about it's boss baby this movie is boss baby a world of babies doing the same shit it is it's boss baby wow this movie Uh, is okay so this is
1: just early 2000s boss baby
0: yeah it is uh all right that's the review that's the the Oscar
1: nomination yeah yeah Ignore the the rest of the review and the rest of the podcast. Just if you're going to take one line away from this movie, know that it is early 2000 boss, baby.
0: Oh, man. Well, I'm finally we, glad we got it out of the way because it was one we had talked about. Before. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Well, did you have anything before we got into uh, next week's movie that you wanted to recommend or not recommend people watch that you've been uh, checking out this week? Um,
1: it didn't been kind of a busy week, so I haven't really had a lot of time to check things out. I can give Mine Hunter season two a recommendation. Um,
0: oh, nice. that's just, okay. dropped, I haven't started that. yet. That just
1: dropped on Netflix. Pretty good. Um, I also did go out and finally see once upon a time in Hollywood. And I know you recommended that last week. I'm going to give it a double recommend. I think it's, Quentin Tarantino's most unique film.
0: Uh, nice. Dude, real I'm glad solid. you liked it because I've – good. I've heard a lot of people shit talk no, about it. No, man. I
1: really liked he, it. He so. just like – he dis- I was talking to my buddy about this. It's so weird that he just decided to make a comedy. That's all that movie is. It's <laughs> right? just yeah. a comedy. Yeah. It's a comedy. and just It's
0: a chill hangout It was comedy.
1: marketed all wrong because everybody assumes it's going to be a Quentin Tarantino blood fest, and while it certainly has that, it's just a comedy, and it's great. It's his most
0: unique film. I loved it. Good. Good. Glad to hear that, man. Well, I checked out something on Netflix that I can also give the hate hate watch seal of approval. Uh, Marlon Wayne's Sex Tuplets, dude.
1: No. You did not fucking watch, did watch that movie, it, Brandon.
0: Cuz I knew it would be awful and it did not disappoint, my friend. Oh, it did not God. disappoint. You, I'm sure if you it wondered did not. while watching the movie Norbit what this movie would be like if Marlon Wayne's was the lead character?
1: Never wondered that. <laughs>
0: I did often, and uh, I found out while watching Sex So, give that a watch or not. I do not recommend it, but it is kind of fun to hate watch. Uh, And then I checked out three movies: Good Boys, pretty funny in theaters. You know, it's a it's you know South Park's super bad essentially, uh, tween super bad. The two movies though I want to recommend the most, honestly, two of my favorites of the year so far. Uh, One of them was The Peanut Butter Falcon, starring Shia LaBeouf. Um, Mm. Dude, that movie looks great. Yeah, really well done. Again, kind of like it honestly reminded me like a Mark Twain story, just something very simple, Americana. I I really love the performances. If you're looking for something that's like just super sweet, not cynical at all, but also not schmaltzy or overly sentimental, I, I really enjoyed it. And then I just saw last night, Ready or Not, which, dude, I fucking loved. Like so goddamn fun. Kind of a vibe, mixed of almost cabin in the woods in Year Next, uh, with Samara Weaving, who I am increasingly growing more fond of with each, each movie I see her in. Uh, definitely a recommend if you're looking for some some just kind of honestly really fun late summer. Watch it with a big crowd if you can. Uh, it's enjoyable. Very cool, man. All right, so a couple of really good recommends and uh, one terrible
1: recommendation from Brandon.
0: <laughs> Sextuplets. It's it's still on Netflix. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) Well, next week... (laughs) We're not getting away from the talking animals, John. No, we're sticking eh? to a
1: theme. We're sticking to a theme for next week. Uh, I don't know why we're doing it uh, other than (laughs) we were just, like, scrambling to find something to do for next week. It is currently on hbo if you've got if you're privy to that service if you didn't cancel it after game of thrones ended um and it's a long requested movie i think one of our first requested movies and uh go ahead brandon just take it from there
0: yeah we're taking from the tail end of our selection uh process here typically we go from like 1990 to 2005 i think this came out in 2004 the same year as another movie I want to cover eventually, starring Will Smith, iRobot. Not doing that one. That might have got you excited. <laughs> but no, we're doing 2004's <laughs> Shark Tale.
1: <laughs> Are we ever... Our first Martin Scorsese film.
0: Thank God. And De Niro, I think. Wow. Yep, our first De Niro, Scorsese, not our
1: first Will Smith film.
0: <laughs> oh, God, nope. is it not our first Will Smith? Is it our, our first Jack Black I was just thinking about that. It could be our first Jack Black. Renee Zellweger? Uh, Angelina Jolie's Lee's in there too? Man, what a cast. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, what a movie. Uh, car washes and mobs and sharks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what more could you want anyway. in the movie, dude? Oh, so much more. So much Uh, more. So much more. And if you're looking for more of our episodes, feel free to check out our podcast site. That's nbd.podbean.com, right off Podbean, where we are originally hosted. You can also find us on iTunes and a few other podcasting apps and sites.
1: Yep. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Nostalgia Damned. Uh, It's the worst Twitter handle in the world, but there's nothing we can do about it. (laughs) Um (laughs)
0: i mean we could change it to like nbd pod but let's let's just not let's make it really hard and confusing Why don't you?
1: Well, yeah, no we're gonna make it worse for you guys <laughs> uh so follow us on there so you never have to think about it again um you can also let's see we said facebook don't forget to send us an email if you want uh that's at nostalgia be damned pod at gmail.com you I'm, got it.com oh, com. great thank you um and Uh, Of course, as always, please, 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 please write us a review. It really helps the show. And tell your friends, I am so sick of watching these dumbass movies at the gym on a treadmill. (laughs) With people like, I, I'm so self-conscious. Is that guy watching fucking Cats and Dogs? <laughs> Next week, it's going to be Shark Tale. Like,
0: please, I want this to be worth something. Please, write us a review. Oh, my God. I love the fact that you mostly watch these at the gym, and I hope that there's a gym employee who's been keeping an eye on you, and every once in a while, will pass behind you, and he's like, it's Shark, week. it's Shark Tale this week. I don't get this guy. You know what? You know what the most embarrassing one has been so far, Brandon, and I'm
1: not even kidding? The one that I was most self-conscious about was the t- Tobey Maguire
0: Spider-Man <laughs> movie. It was the one that I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. I feel like because that one definitely screams you're watching this for your own enjoyment. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, you could you could even make the argument if you're watching Shark... If you're walking
1: Shark Tale in a gym, you could conceivably be like, he's doing that for a specific reason. <laughs> he probably
0: has a bad movie podcast the, or the, something. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. The Spider-Man movie is like, oh, that guy just loves the Spider-Man movie. <laughs>
0: Oh man. So please,
1: uh, write us a review if you would.
0: Yep. Thank you all for listening and uh tune in next week. And also, yeah, check out Boss Baby. It's on Netflix. And then follow that up with a, a nice <laughs> hot heaving pile of sex couplets. You'll have yourself a good night. Also
1: check out the boss baby show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Why didn't this get a show? This needs a show.
1: It does. Goodbye.